0: in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, we're going to continue with our series on 2020 vision. And uh, we started this series. I began to um, I began to talk a little bit about what it means to have 2020 vision as a church. And uh, I uh, have grown up all my life wearing contacts and, uh, and and glasses. I was nearsighted all my life. And uh, then as I've gotten older, I realized I was um, becoming Farsighted? <laughs> so when you're nearsighted, you can see near, but you can't see far away. And when you're far sighted, you can't see far, but you can see near. But the problem is I can't see near or far. <laughs> so so I'm having to wear uh, glasses and context to 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 see both. And so I I, I just realized that that um, sometimes as a church we need help to see clearly what is close up. Around us, and what is coming far away, Uh, and this is a time where we're we're reintroducing and and sort of re-identifying what the core beliefs of our church are what uh, the foundations are, what the principles are that we operate under. And so we're just looking at it because I want all of you to have 2020 vision. I want you to understand what's happening right near you, right next to you. I want you to understand what's happening in your world and your part of the church. But I also want to lift your eyes to see what God is wanting us to do as a church, what our goal and purpose is in our city And I want you to see that, and I want you to hear about that. So today, I'm just going to spend a few minutes, and I'm going to talk to you real honestly and openly about kind of where we are and where we're we're going, where we're headed, all right? So Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, uh, let's pray before we, we dive in. Father, would you give us illumination, revelation about who you are, about what you want us to do? Let the, let the scriptures become a mirror for us to see ourselves more accurately and to provide transformation. Lord, we receive it. We receive what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew twenty eight eighteen. this is the, the great mandate of Jesus, the great commission, if you will, the great commission that he's given, you and me. Here's what it says. It says, then Jesus came to them. He's talking about his disciples. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, that's important. That's important to know. Because what he's, the mission he's going to send you on, you go in his authority, not your own. You understand that? That's why that phrase is important. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And so, I'm going to send you in that very same authority. And you can go... Not in your own strength, not in your own wisdom, but in my authority. Verse 19 says, therefore, go and make disciples. Everybody say, make disciples. disciples. Say it one more time. (laughs) It sounds like you're super excited about that. Make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to have baptism on December 30th. If you've never been water baptized, if you've never identified with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection in obeying the scriptures in water baptism, it's it's a very important rite of passage. It's a sacrament. It is a It is something that we do physically that expresses something that's happening spiritually in our hearts and our lives. And so if you have never been water baptism since you came to faith in Christ, or maybe you were baptized as a child, but since then you've really believed in what Jesus is doing in your life. You've really trusted Him as your Savior and your Lord. Water baptism is so good. It's so important to do. There's something that happens in your life when you obey the Lord in that way. And I'll talk about it as we get a little closer about what we believe about baptism. But Jesus is saying, I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want you, them to understand who I am as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now I want you to teach them. Verse 20 says, teaching them to obey. Everybody say, Obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This idea of teaching people to, to do, to obey what the Lord wants us to do, it's a lot easier if we just tell each other what we're supposed to obey instead of teaching them to obey. It's a subtle difference. Some of you have heard me use this illustration before. It's like, it's like teaching your kids how to brush their teeth. When you teach your kids how to brush your teeth, I, I tell them, I tell my little uh, seven-year-old and my little five-year-old um, that, that I, oh, they're eight and six now, um, time marches on, eight and six years old, and I'm, I'm saying, look, I tell them all the benefits of good dental hygiene, how important it is to brush really far back in there. Just make sure you're brushing. Make sure that you have... Uh, uh, you, you understand all of the wonderful things that will happen. You'll get white and shiny teeth. I try to tell them all that. I also tell them the consequences. Consequences of not brushing your teeth. Your teeth are going to get all nasty. They're going to fall out of your head. You're going to have to go to the dentist and get sharp things put in your, in your mouth. <laughs> I threaten them. I tell them all these things. And yet, what do I find myself doing on a Saturday night in the bathroom saying to them, Nope, that's not quite good enough. No, you gotta get back there. No, a little farther. No, let me show you. Here. You brush right here. See? Right in here. Wait, you feel that? That's a that's what you gotta get all the way back there. How long am I gonna have to do that with these children? A long time. What Jesus is calling us to is not just to tell people about the benefits. Certainly not to threaten them. You know, threatening people with hell doesn't really work. Just like threatening my kids with the dentist. It requires something more. It requires a commitment to walk with someone and to invest in them and show them how to live. That's what Jesus is talking about right here. And, and, and it, is the, it is the great commission that, we, uh, that we've received from him. And we're, uh, the title of this message is called Mission Focused. Mission Focused. And if, if, if you have been here the last few weeks, we've been talking about the values of our church. And being mission focused is one of the values. One chapel exists to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus so that they might become... Fully devoted followers of Christ. Why don't you read that with me out loud? One chapel exists to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus so that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. You know, Jesus, in His time here on earth, He he told stories. And He was trying to always demonstrate and and to illustrate what God was doing. And one of the most profound chapters in the New Testament of the stories of Jesus is in Luke 15. Luke 15, why don't you turn over there with me? Just a few pages. Matthew, Mark, then Luke. Luke 15. Because Jesus begins to tell a story about sheep. He tells a story about a lost coin. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son, which is the prodigal son, which you may have heard that story. But he tells this story. He's illustrating something here. Verse 4, let's begin there, chapter 15. It says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, everybody say in the same way. In the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, as a little boy that grew up in church on the front row, that verse can be a little bit offensive to me if you read it wrongly. And, and, and really, if you look at the story of the prodigal son, you see the older brother. He said to his father, who, who threw a party for the, the lost son in return, he said, I've been here all this time with you. You never threw me a party. In this passage, in these three passages about the she- lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son, you know what you find? You find parties being thrown. You see this 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 joy that comes into a, a family or a community. You know, Jesus tells the story about this lady, or this woman who lost a coin and she finds it, and then she calls her neighbors and says, "I found my lost coin. Come on, let's celebrate. Let's go gambling." No, she probably didn't say that. <laughs> she probably didn't say that but she but she was she was trying to get everybody to have a party the 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 father when he saw the son come return home he threw a huge bash i'm convinced this 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 passage gives us an understanding of where the emphasis was in the work of christ the emphasis where the joy is where the party is i'm kind of i okay this may this may trouble some of you, but I tend to think that church should kind of be a perpetual party. I'm not saying we won't go through difficult periods of time or or, or or difficult seasons we won't have you know that we won't have peaks and valleys we will we'll personally go through difficult times, but there should be an overarching joy, and there should be this this perpetual party that kind of happens because why because people are experiencing a new life because the lost are being found. People are finding a family and a home. Now, you know, <laughs> you've probably are at least aware and there's a there's almost a picture of of church as this little group of people that are always kind of depressed and and, and mean, and they go to church, and they do their duty, and and, they can, and some of you have even been to churches like that, where it's just, it, it's been ex- in existence for a long time, but new people don't attach themselves, and it just kind of becomes us four and no more, and then it, it becomes lifeless. Lifeless. There's no party. There's no life. There's no new births. When you have a new baby, everybody throws the party everybody comes together and rejoices we got to keep this place buzzing in life life has to keep being birthed into our midst we cannot just we cannot just pay attention to ourselves we have to be willing to go find the one it's our mission i want you to think what if what if each of us this year for 2013 decided that we would disciple one person what if you focused your energy and attention on just one person go ahead put your finger up like just like that just want to see if you'd do it okay go ahead you're you're really becoming more obedient it's really awesome here's the problem here's the problem and i just want to i just want to challenge you a little bit most of our relationships end up being over this this swath of surface areas of just we kind of know people just on this surface level but what if you picked one person and just decided you were going to really walk with them and help them become mature in Christ would you be willing to make one disciple we could double in one year but we would do better than just doubling we'd actually be reproducing we'd be reproducing ourselves in somebody else some of you're like oh pastor raza I don't I don't know enough of the Bible to disciple someone. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm not ready. I'm not I'm not that spiritually deep. Listen, you do not have to be spiritually deep. Have you read about the disciples? <laughs> they I mean they had issues, man. They they were they they, they were tax collectors and they, and they were they were fishermen and they were just common guys. And Jesus did that on purpose. I think what happens is the power of God is unleashed to you if you'll be about his business. Your life will change. God will rest on you. He will empower you. He will grace you with his presence and his, and his, and his peace and his strength and his courage if you'll just be doing what he's interested in. Here's, just so you won't be uh, threatened, here's what I think a disciple is. Here's the definition I've been starting to work with As as we unpack what this means. Disciple, what is a disciple? It's a lifelong learner and follower of Jesus who makes disciples. A disciple is a lifelong learner. That means you learn about him, learn about who Jesus is. You're interested in reading your Bible. You're interested in talking about it with other people, and you're going to follow his teachings. You're going to follow his direction. You're going to become more like him, and you're going to be willing to help other people become more like him. I'm not asking you to make a disciple of yourself. (laughs) I don't want you to have disciples. I want Jesus to have more disciples. And I want you to be a disciple of Jesus and then help other people discover what that looks like. Does that make sense? All right, does that make sense? And so this brings us to the idea that one chapel must be mission focused. And when I say mission focused, I don't think we're focused on the mission to the exclusion of a lot of other important principles that we embrace here. And 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 we've been talking about them over the last few weeks. One of them is being relationally driven. Everybody, ever, we need relationships. The body of Christ was made to, to fit together. We're supposed to connect with one another. And we're supposed to connect with people who need Jesus. We do both. Relationships are the only way that happens. So being relationally driven and then being presence-based. Presence-based, some of you are like, what is that? Pres-? See, the if we, if we understand who we are as the carriers of God's presence, in other words, his plan, when Jesus left the earth and went to heaven, he said, I'm going to send you a counselor. I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you one who is a helper, who's going to be with you, and he'll live in you, and he'll speak to you. He will work through you. You, you See, here's the reason you can make a disciple, because you carry the Holy Spirit. You carry all the wisdom and wealth of God in your heart. You become like Christ. You take union with Christ. You become like him by the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. That's the great plan of God. That's the mystery. That's the incredible, uh, miraculous plan of him coming and God living in every one of us. Well, how could God fit inside of us? He's so big. See, it's, it's, it's a mystery. It's, a, it's his plan. He wants you to carry his light and his presence everywhere you go. What is it? I'm reminded of that uh, video, Aladdin, the Disney movie. You remember it? Phenomenal cosmic power, itty bitty living space. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. You should watch it again. It's good. That's God's plan. So here's what that means for us. I want to talk about just a few ideas of what that means for us. It means we have to be locally engaged and globally connected. It means we have to be concerned about our city and the nations. It means we have to be concerned about our neighborhood and what's going on in the Middle East right now. It means we have to be concerned about uh, what's happening in our state and what's happening in the United States of America. It means we have to be willing to pray and give energy and effort to what god is trying to do we we don't we don't just look right here locally we lift our eyes we zoom in we zoom out we zoom in we zoom out we make sure that we are uh able to see clearly what god's doing around us look here's what jesus said acts 1 8 here's how he said it he said but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you that's what we were just talking about the power of god comes on you by the holy spirit and you will be my what does it say what does it say witnesses. You Okay, do you know what the reason for the power? What's the reason for the power? The reason for the power is not for you to have an experience. It's for you to become a witness. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, you know. That was the purpose in Acts 2. He came, he visited so that people could be witnesses of what Jesus had done. And so he says, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He gives three spheres there. If we were listening to Jesus today, he might have said, I want you to be my witnesses in all of Austin. In Austin and in Texas and the United States, which is a little bit of a cultural leap. You know, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be Jesus to your culture. The culture you live in, and then you're supposed to be willing to leap a culture, the cultural wall to share Christ with somebody maybe who's not like you. And then finally, to the ends of the earth, got to will be willing to go. So Jerusalem, our city, the city of Austin, that means one chapel has a responsibility with other churches and partners to make sure that we are sharing the work of Christ Personally, here's a question. Could you accept the responsibility of the lostness of our city? Could we? Could we accept it as, okay, God, you want us to reach them. You want us to be the people that you're working through. I, I accept that responsibility. Praying, working, serving, you know, We have a bunch of outreach partners that we work with. We're partnering with this uh, little uh, elementary school, Sunset Valley Elementary. We're trying to make sure that we're connecting with the South Austin Pregnancy Resource Center. We've got volunteers, and we fund them, and, and, and we, we support all kinds of different efforts in our city. We're partners with other churches. It's not just one chapel, but we, as one chapel, have to decide if we're called, if we're going to be mission-focused or not. You, you might think to yourself, "Well, Pastor Ross, I got a lot of stuff to do. You know, I got a job, and I, 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 I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make sure my family's okay, and I gotta." Pre-. What are you saying? Are you are you saying that this mission has to kind of invade my entire life? Yeah. Yeah, actually, I that's that. I think that's what Jesus wanted. He doesn't. he, he doesn't want you to see your work as just a way to make money. He wants you to see your workplace as a place that's in need, that he's sending you to, to share the life and the light of Jesus. You're not just going to school so you can get the potential to make money. You see how money just kind of gets us off track so easily. It's not about that. It's about God having you in the places he has you in your life and being aware, being conscious of the mission that he has you on what are you doing here? You have a purpose. We have a purpose as a church. And so did you know that did you know that Austin is growing by a crazy number? The number indicates uh, 2010, over the last 10 years, Austin area has grown by 50,000 people every single year. What? Over the last 10 years, 50,000 50, people every year. Okay, now here's what that means. Think about that. Are you wrapping your head around how big that number is? So in in 2000, 2000, the U.S. Census indicated that Austin only has 4.75 churches for every 10,000 people. 4.75 churches. That was the 2000 census. Um, That's far below the national average of 12. 12 churches for every 10,000 people. All right, so our city has been below the, a- the national average over the last 10 years. But think about it, 50,000 people a year, how are we going to catch up? How are we going to keep up with the n- number of churches or the number of people? There's, the the statistic says that Redeemer Seminary did uh, this, uh, some of this research. It says, so in order to simply maintain the same ratio of churches to the population, we need to plant almost 23 churches per year. And, con- and, and that doesn't include continually staffing all the churches that um, are already here and just making sure that those guys are continuing and going. See, there is so much to be done that we have, to, we cannot just be consumed with ourselves. We cannot just be interested in our little circle. I think we have to get connected to the mission of God. The focus of his mission, Judea and Samaria. You might th- you might consider that as our our nation, all right, the United States of America. And here's what here's how we're doing that. We are committing both energy, resources, and 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 time to help church planting happen in our nation. We are part of a, a group of people called the Association of Related Churches. When we planted our church they helped us financially, and they helped us with training, and they helped us with encouragement. And so we are committed to that kind of church planting all over the United States of America. And in many other cities, this same, these same statistics are alive and well, and we've got to plant more and more and more churches. It's only life-giving churches that will be the hope of the world. And so we're committed to that. Every dollar that you give, there's, we, we, we cut off 2%, 2% of our budget goes straight to church planting with the ark. And so we're committed to that idea. Um, they planted 65 churches this last year uh, in cities around our nation. That's just nationally. And so, um, so that, that number is going to increase over and over and over again. And we're going to be a church planting church. We're going to be a church that believes in church planting. And so um, then finally, if if you think about what Jesus said to the ends of the earth, our world, the nations around the world, um, it's so important for us to see what's going on around the world. It, it It is imperative that we do not get a myopic view of Christianity by looking at it only through the lens of American national patriotism. We can't just look through our society and decide what a Christian is. We have to take what God is doing across the globe. We have to take what we uh, hear from what's going on in the Middle East or in North Korea or what's going on south of our border in, in Mexico. We have to take that and understand that there's something bigger and larger that we're a part of we tend to get a myopic view do you know that there this is this is kind of a morbid little statement but i, I just want to give you your brain a little twist 400 people the statistic is 400 people per day around the world today 400 people lost their lives because they were christians because they had the title of christian that's it's a, they were martyred they were killed persecuted when we go to church in a country where uh, if we stay out too late the night before and we just get tired and don't want to go to church, um, it's, it's different. We, just, we don't have the same mentality. There are places in the earth where people risk their lives to say, Jesus is Lord. We, we, they're our brothers and sisters. We have to know them. We have to connect with them. We have to we have, to have a, an understanding of what's going on out there so that we don't get myopic and tunnel vision in our view of what God's doing here. We have to see the whole, the whole world and what God is, is doing it, and so it's important for us to be a mission-oriented church, and we support missions in in uh, in Cambodia, in Mexico, and the Middle East, and in China, and we're we're supporting a, a missionary training organizations that's training missionaries, raising them up, and sending them into the uh, the most unreached and darkest places on the planet. I believe in that. Ten percent of every dollar that we give, or that you give, that we give together, goes straight to missions. It is our tithe. It is our first thing. It goes to someone that that doesn't necessarily help us. We have to put our money where our mouth is, and when we're called to be mission-focused, it means we, we live our lives differently. We think differently. All right, now, we're getting ready to move into a new venue, all right? And uh, I wanted you to hear that as the backdrop for moving into a new venue, because there's all kinds of uh, what should I say inadequacies in that venue. There's all kinds of issues regarding, you know, it's not it's not like it was, and boy, I wish this was like this, and how come we don't have that, and why aren't we? How come we don't have our own building? And blah blah blah. There's all these questions that start coming up. I want to deal with some of those questions. Where are we really headed? Now, here's how it happened. We were just trying to figure out how to do more services. We do two services. You can look around right now. This room is more full than it should be. Okay? If there are seats that you, if there are empty seats in a church, that's good. Because it means there's room for more. If it's full of people and people try to come and they can't get a seat, that's bad. So, so we are trying to figure out what that means. Should we do more services? Should we go to a fourth service? Should we, sh- w- How should all that work? And we're thinking about this and praying about this, and out of the blue, somebody calls us, the people that run Westlake Performing Arts Center, and they call us and say, hey, uh, we are going to have the opportunity to have another church, have church here in this building. Would you like to be that church? We're like, uh, I don't know, let's see. So we've prayed about it. We started asking questions. We did all this due diligence. And it turns out that as we got through the process and we're praying about it, wrestling with it, that we got to the, the final table and they ended up uh, answering every question in the affirmative. Yes, you can have communion. Yes, you can do all the things you want to do. And then uh, finally they gave it to us for less money. <laughs> then, we, then, then originally than was originally planned. And so they were really willing to work with us. So, but here's the thing. Buildings are not vision. Buildings are not vision. Buildings are just a place to gather. And what I'm trying to figure out how to do is spend less time on... Let me say it this way. Less time on making services happen and more time on making disciples. So... So that's what's going to happen over the next year at One Chapel. This is going to be kind of, we're going to go on a journey. We're going to discover what it means to make a disciple. And you might have baggage. Don't bring that baggage in. Let it, let, it, let it just lay there. What we need to do is discover how to reach Austin with the message of Jesus. And it's going to happen one person at a time. And it's going to happen if we'll be mission focused. And so I don't want you to get distracted by the venue. And I think ultimately, we will will do any number of things to grow. You understand that we are growing by numbers right now. And growing by numbers is good. I said last week, healthy things grow. But it is also true that unhealthy things grow. (laughs) That's why you have to weed your garden. So we got to make sure this thing doesn't grow poorly. It needs to grow well. And so... But what happens is you grow and as you grow you switch the way you grow. If you continued to grow physically as a person, you would become a freak. <laughs> Your head my little boy, my little boy Ethan, he's got huge front teeth right now cuz his body's so small and he got his adult teeth in his little baby body. And so he's like, you know, they're massive teeth and so he'll grow into it. He'll grow into it, his teeth will look smaller, but if his head kept growing, that'd be weird. (laughs) So what we have to have is you, as you grow as a person, as a human, as you grow organically, there is a limit to your growth, and then you begin to grow in a different way. How do you grow in a different way? You begin to reproduce. You begin to reproduce. As we grow in our values, in our culture, in our influence, our numerical, and our financial strength, we will begin to reproduce. And that's part of the reason to go to this venue. Because this venue provides us the opportunity to grow numerically and financially to a certain place, and then we will, at a certain point, begin to grow. I think that number's around 2,000 people. We're at about 1,100 right now. I think around 2,000 is where you get the kind of strength that you influence a city. You begin to influence a community because, the, the, because of the numbers, because of the, the, the size of the group of people. There is an influence that begins to attach itself to what you do because your numbers. And listen, the greatest influence we can have on our city is if we'll use our numbers to serve people. <laughs> that's, why, that's why the Sunset Valley Elementary School initiative is so important. We can change the face of those kids and the, the face of that school if we'll be engaged as mentors. If we'll, if, if we'll engage in our community with those numbers, it will become a thing that will change our community and force it to a, to a decision. Okay, so, so we'll begin to then possibly... Here's what I think, and I don't, I don't know, I can't read the future, but here's what, I, here's what I have in my heart. I think we may plant churches right here in our own region. We, are, we need them. I've already read you the statistic. There is a shortage of churches, and there's, and there is a shortage of people who will be willing to plant. I think we may plant churches here in our region. I also think we might, I think we'll find a permanent home base. I don't think we'll be in that school forever. I think we'll probably find a place that we'll renovate, that we will uh, build out in some way. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know how that's going to happen. And the truth is, in Austin, it is prohibitive to build on new property. (laughs) It's prohibitive in a few ways. It's prohibitive financially because the land prices are high. And it's prohibitive in terms of the zoning and ordinances that you have to deal with. When you are developing new property. Now, God may do a miracle. I have my eye on a couple pieces of property right now, and I'm praying over them. I drive by, claim it for the kingdom. I've been doing that for two and a half years since I got to Austin. For all I know, I've caused it not to be able to be sold. So, so I think that that may happen. God could do anything. We may, it may happen that way, but it's awfully, it's a, it's a hard road. And I don't know that we, I don't think we need to build a monstrous building in this city. I think we need to reproduce and, sp- and spread out. So that means I'm not only open to planting churches, I'm open to campuses and video venues. I'm open to places, and here's what I want to make the case for you. Some of you, as soon as I say video venue, I don't want to do that. Listen, here's the thing. If it's prohibitive to build in, certain, in, in, in the city, but it's easy to rent, or it's easy to lease, or it's easy to, to pay really almost no money to, to be in a school, if we can find places where we can touch our feet down in that community and begin meeting as part of the vision of one chapel, there's something about not driving 25 miles to a church past you know five or six neighborhoods and instead meeting as a community right there in that community and being in, beginning to touch that community in a different way and connect with people who are there, that's a powerful idea. It's also, I think, powerful in that it is more effective to pastor, to care for, to love, and to to feed smaller groups of people. Is it easier to to feed one giant and, and pastor one giant church, or is it easier to pastor smaller congregations? It's probably easier to pastor smaller congregations. Now, I'm from a big church. This is, not, this is not part of who I am. I'm, I'm, God is changing my DNA. And I don't know where that's going to lead us. But you need to know that my first responsibility and my first goal, my first purpose is that we will be mission focused. That we will be relationally driven. And that we will carry the presence of God to wherever God might open the door for us around our city and around our region. I have faith for a campus in south, deep South Austin towards uh, Buda in the South Park Meadows area. I have, I, have, I have faith in my heart for something in Dripping Springs. I have faith in my heart, this is cr- a little crazy, for something in Lakeway. From one chapel. I don't know how that's all going to come out, but you need to know that it's not just based on my own comfort, my own desires, your own comfort, your own desires. It's based on what the scripture teaches us about how we must be mission focused, the mission of God. We have to be about His business. And when we are, He will open up opportunities, He will open up uh, 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 the, the doors and the windows and the, and the, the, the hearts of people us to speak into them and here's one more little thing for you about the video thing listen if we get if we had to go to a big building guess what we would do we would put a camera on the speaker's face and and so that you could see them which is important because you, it's it's important to connect so if you're in a big building you're going to look at a video if you're in a small building looking at, it's the same thing it's not that much different in this day and age with the technology we have, we can share the gospel more efficiently, more effectively, and more powerfully than ever before. Don't let anybody kid you. We can do that. What do I want you to do? Here's what I want you to do. Well, actually, the last thing I want to tell you, last thing I want to tell you is I think God put it in my heart to raise up a next generation of young men and women who will love the local church and either be church planters or pastors or, or, or worship leaders or youth pastors. And that's why we started One Chapel College. Austin is a place where young people come from all over the world. They come here to be trained. The university sits in the middle of our city. It is a place. It is a place that touches the rest of the world. And it's going to become more so because people are coming, 50,000 people a year. They're coming. They're coming. And we have to be ready for it. I think what God wants us to do is train people in local church and love for local church ministry and send them out all over the world. I think we're going to send some missionaries. I think we're going to plant some churches. And I, and I want you to go with me. I want you to, I, I, I want you to lift your eyes from the mundane And see the mission that is so incredibly exciting that you need to be part of. What do I want you to do? I want you to pray. Here's what Jesus told his disciples. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into the harvest field. I've been praying this prayer since we planted this church. And you know what? You're the answer to all those prayers. God sent you here. I can't explain it. I hear stories of how people got to this church. I, I had coffee with a guy who, who hadn't been to church in years and years, and somebody at work just invited him, and he said, okay, I'll, I'll come. And he came, and he totally just renewed his life and commitment to Christ again. I, 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 people are not only moving here, but there's, there's, um, there's story after story after story of people that uh, just they don't know who God really is and they need to meet Him. They're coming. Pray for the Lord of the harvest that He will send more workers into the harvest field. In the next, uh, in January, we're going to pray for 21 days. We're going to do a 21-day prayer and fasting, the 6th through the 26th. I want you to join me to pray here in this uh, auditorium. We're going to keep this auditorium for a while. We're going to give up some of our space here so that we can use the resources for over here. But we're going to keep this auditorium. We've invested a lot in it. And there's no other place we can meet right now uh, in Southwest Austin. There's just not, there's hardly any places uh, like this venue um, where you can find a, a, a three or 400-seat auditorium. There's just not very many of them in Southwest Austin. So we're going to stay here for a little while. And I want you to come and pray with me. I want you to pray at home. I want us to dig in. I want us to tap into the mission of God for the next year. I want you to, I I think about praying for a person every day. You, if you would identify one or two people that you could pray for every day that needs to hear the gospel message, maybe they don't know anything about it. Maybe they don't know um, that you're even a Christian, but you pray for them every single day and you pray for them every single day. And there's going to come a moment When they will turn to you in a moment of need or a moment of desperation and say, I don't know, my life's just going to a dead end, I don't know what to do. What do you think? If you pray for them, you'll be ready for that moment. I want you to go. This is what happened to Isaiah. Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. And God said, go and tell these people, I want you to be engaged in, in, in what we're doing. I want you to, I want you to be, go on a, a, a local mission, and I want you to go on a global mission. I, over the next two or three years, I want everybody in this church to engage in some kind of mission work that's beyond your comfort level. We need to see what's going on in a third world country so that we can understand our culture correctly and what God's doing. I, I think we've got to go. If you look at onechapel.com and Facebook, there's it's a really cool, Shalisa McCarter has been putting together all kinds of opportunities for us to be involved. And we've talked to all these partners in our city where they know that we're committed to them. Some of them were supporting financially. Some of them were just trying to get people to connect with them. You could go see that list on onechapel.com and serving opportunities on Facebook. And I want you to go. I want you to get involved. I want you to take your small group. I want you to, to connect with it. Again, what you're saying is what you're saying to me might be, well, man, I'm so busy. I'm so consumed. Listen, all of our lives have cycles. Sometimes we get consumed with stuff and we have to pay attention to it. We have to to rescue our family that's in a moment of need or, or work gets really pressing. But if we live that way all the time, we will lose the mission that God has given us. We will not clearly understand how God wants to empower us by his spirit because we won't ever be doing anything out of our own comfort zone. Finally, I want you to give. I, I I want you to give. I think I, I I think we when we give of our of our money, something happens to our heart. Don't stir up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you choose to give to one chapel, you are doing something not only in your own heart, you're changing your own heart, but you're also changing people's lives. Every week now, we are busting the budget on benevolence. We are giving money to people who are in need. We are making it happen. There are many crises and moments in people's lives, and and they come up, and and we have a whole storehouse. We have the money. I don't have to stand up here and go, oh, would you please help so-and-so because they really need your help? No, you already give, and your faithfulness makes it so that we can just say yes at that moment. That's the way the church is supposed to work. We're supposed to be good stewards of what God's given us, We're not supposed to be living so close to the edge that we can't pay our bills, and we can't. No, we're we're paying our bills. We're making this move because we have the money in the bank. We're. I don't want you to worry about that. I want you to be faithful. I want you to be faithful to giving because God is moving on your heart, and it's the greatest test of your heart to determine where your treasure is going to go. The greatest test of your heart is what you do with your treasure. And that's what I want you to focus on, opening up your heart, being willing to give. <clears throat> There's going to be 14 15% of, of our budget this year that will have been given to missions and to benevolence and to church planting. So the last thing I want you to do is serve. I want you to serve. Whoever wants to become great among you, Jesus said, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here's the crazy thing about this verse. Most of you have heard this verse before, but here's the power of it. The path to greatness in God's kingdom comes through serving. The path to greatness in the kingdom comes through seeing a need and filling it. I'm not just talking about set up and tear down. Look, we need help setting up and tear down a new venue, so you ought to come Saturday night. But that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not the only thing I'm talking about. I'm talking about identifying needs and being willing to take care of them. I'm talking about being part of a team that's serving other people. I'm talking about giving of yourself in a way that changes you. And so we need, I think all of us, All of us. Here's here's the final phrase I want to give you, all right? Final phrase I want to give you, and that is our mission is most successful. The mission of God at one chapel is most successful when every member of the body of Christ at one chapel is serving others by using their god-given gifts, talents and resources. Look, we don't all need to do the same thing. We all have gifts that God's given us. We need to be engaging those gifts out in the community, out in places of need, in here in places of need. You know, listen, I have the view. I look across this community, you you the community of One Chapel, there is incredible need. People need you. You have gifts. God wants to God wants to breathe on you. And he wants to empower you to do it, to be consumed with his mission. Come on, close your eyes, bow your heads, and let's pray. Father, we need your help. We don't know how to do this. We don't know exactly what's coming. We don't know exactly how. We don't know exactly how to make disciples, but we want to learn. We don't know exactly how to lift our eyes and not be consumed with what's going on just in our own world, but but we want you to help us learn. We don't know exactly where you want to use us, but we want to be willing to be useful. Would you help us? Would you teach us? Would you train us? All across the auditorium, I just want you to listen to the voice of God's Spirit that's speaking to you now. What does He want from you? How can you focus more on what He wants you to do? How does he want you to proceed? Maybe you need to pray. And you need to turn your prayer life into a, an engine that goes and motivates you. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's through serving people and you're, God's bringing them to your mind even right now and and, and, and he's, as he brings them to your mind you realize you, you need to step out of your comfort zone and, and help maybe it's maybe it's giving maybe you need to trust that God is the provider and you need to contribute to what he wants from you whatever it is I want you to let him have. Would you surrender right where you are? And you might be here and you were brought but with somebody or you came maybe on your own and you're here in this service and you're listening to what's said and you've been through the worship time and you're thinking to yourself, I, I, I do not have a vibrant relationship with the God of the universe with the creator I don't understand him like you're talking about but I want to and this is a moment where you want to say pastor pray for me I want to I want to I follow Jesus I, I want to understand who Jesus is I want to commit my life to him I want to turn my life over my plan is not working my plan is failing I need God's plan for me I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. But if that describes you, you need to commit your life to Christ or, or you need to recommit your life to Christ after a very long absence, would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me? Yep, I see you back in the back, back over here. Yeah, way back up there. Right here. Anybody else? Yep, right here on the si- on the end. Anybody else? Anybody else? It's, this is the best thing. I see you right there, right here in the back. This is the best decision you'll ever make. This is what produces life. It is surrendering to God and His plan. Now, come on, everybody pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer with me. Repeat these words after me. And It's not the repetition of the words that really makes the difference. It is the faith of your heart. But pray this with me. Come on, everybody together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me for my failures. For every sin, every foolish act, I'm tired of doing things my own way, for going my own way. Forgive me. Heal me. Heal my soul. Change me. Make me into a new person today. I make you Lord of my life. I choose to follow you. And I thank you for forgiving me, giving me a fresh start. Father, I pray for every person that's praying that prayer now. You would seal the work. You would seal it in each of our hearts. That we would be completely surrendered, completely sold out, completely given over to you, because that is where we find purpose and meaning and mission. It's where we understand the presence of God that you want to give us, the presence of your Holy Spirit. It's where we understand how meaningful relationships are instead of being isolated and alone. Lord, help us to to be the people, your people, that are on mission. In Jesus' name I pray.